Hello and welcome to MedTech Voices from RQM Plus. Today, our expert panelist um, and neurosurgeon, Dr. Andrew Tarnaris, and myself are immensely happy that you've joined us for episode two of Expert Panel Feedback. And this one is focused on the first expert panel opinion that was published on a class three implantable devices, which happens to be a bone graft intended for maxillofacial surgeries. Now, Andrew, when I, when I read the opinion on the commission's website, I thought the indication set and target medical procedures were quite nuanced. Would you please enlighten us on what your thoughts were? Yes, thank you, Jay. So, as you said, this is a bone graft material that is used in maxillofacial surgery or dentistry, to put it simply. And um, in the application, we can see that it is intended for two purposes. So, one is as a repair and the other is as augmentation, meaning that you build up um, either defects or, or the flow of, of your sinus as you remove teeth. And then it is indicated for seven different procedures, surgical procedures. Uh, again, they list them there. They has to do with, with repairing defects or filling in defects or elevating part of your sinus. I don't want to go into so much anatomical details there, but it's, it's the part of your sinus that sits above your teeth uh, or augmenting that or used with other material that will augment that. So these are this, um, basically, this is a xenogenic material, meaning that it comes from an animal. Uh, mm -hmm. it, is, um, it is used for two primary purposes and seven surgical procedures. And the thing to keep in mind, they assess this as a moderate novel device. Mm -hmm. And the reason behind it is that um, it's only the material that it is made of that brings some novelty, like the indications, the anatomy is not novel. It has right. been done before. It is used as such. Mm -hmm. All right. So material of xenogenic origin, couple of different indications targeting seven different medical procedures. That really sets the stage in terms mm -hmm. of the span of data required, right? Now, mm. to cut to the chase, uh, <laughs> well, this was a submission made by MedCert, right? Mm. And like I said, to cut to the chase, the panel found that the submission was lacking in terms of clinical data to cover the span of indications. And thankfully, they have absolutely challenged the submission from the notified body. Of course, the challenge goes back to the manufacturer, right? To be specific, three out of the seven indications were found to be lacking in clinical data, and this involved the whole long-term tissue implant healing perspective, right? For which considerations around device lifetime and device failure also come to the fore, right? Uh, for four out of the seven indications, this is the surprising bit. For four out of the seven indications, data provided was for similar device data, meaning state-of-the-art, and not even data from an equivalent device, right? I mean, we all know that the playing field in the EU is, is not level, but to think that a notified body would allow similar device data to count for sufficient clinical evidence for a device under valuation, which, by the way, is clearly not a wet device or a standard of care device, to me is quite baffling. Andrew, what what is your expert perspective on this entire submission and how it was reviewed by the expert panel from a clinical perspective. Yeah. yeah, thanks. So I want to give to the audience, how would a clinician think here? Because the, the mm -hmm. expert panel, the way, you know, we're all surgeons. I'm not a maxillofacial surgeon, but I do use implants. So I just want to give a little bit of the thinking, right? So the first of all, that they would look at this and they would say, okay, so we have material, we have porcine material, which is mm -hmm. non-human. And then we have uh, something that goes into two different anatomical areas. And those two anatomical areas may have different histology. They have, they may have different anatomy. They may have different, and they do microbi microbi 
microbial environment, as well as the amount of the implant that you're going to use there. It's going to be different depending on the uh, seven different surgical procedures. Mm -hmm. So for some of them, the augmentation, when you build up your uh, sinus floor, you'd use much more than when you just simply fill in a defect that was, that was done when you removed the tooth. Mm -hmm. So they start thinking, okay, so we have this, what's going on with, uh, with the xenogenic material, number one? What's going on right. with the histology? So we have evidence um, from one study for one surgical indication. This covers four months. So right. the manufacturer decides to check the primary stability of the implant, right? So you put your tooth, you augment it there with a the bone graft. In four months, they're going to check, did it stay there simply? Okay, it's good. When you read through the file, the manufacturer says this has a lifetime of seven to nine years. And this is where things start getting complex. The clinician will think, all right, so I'm pretty sure that four months I'm all right for one of the seven surgical procedures, but what about the next? Will I get a patient with a falling out tooth coming, coming into me nine months later saying, my, my tooth has fallen out, you know, and then he will sue, he or she will sue me. So this is what goes on through the brain. The other thing is you have different microbial environment and therefore you may introduce some infection that may require much bigger procedure as they allude to later on. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a little bit baffling and uh, as to why would they only provided evidence for one of the surgical procedures. Uh, as I said, the other thing is the primary benchmark or the primary outcome point of four months, it is not enough. It is clearly not enough that the clinician needs to be reassured. This will stay there and therefore they need to see data on a much longer evident, uh, basis. What happens with osteal integration or bone integration is, as with any fracture, you have new bone laid in and uh, uh, more bone gets absorbed, right? And, and this is a very long procedure. It takes many, many months. So four months was clearly not enough. And they, they expressed their concerns. This is what they were thinking about. Mm -hmm. What will happen to them when they have this patient that use this graft material? It's, it's as simple as that sometimes. You know, that's, that's a key point, Andrew, because they submitted um, data from one surgical procedure up to four months. And then the PMCF plan, if you, if you, for those who've read it, you'll see that the PMCF plan that was potentially initially submitted covered the six months time point onwards as, you know, long-term follow-up, right? Now, to your point, Andrew, they even requested the PMCF plan updated such that the first time point collected under PMCF would be at 12 months and not around the six-month time frame. Andrew, would you agree in doing that, what they're really pushing for is to, is to have almost one-year data for this implantable device across the span of indications at the time of CE marking and not to kick it down to PMCF. Would you agree? I, I agree with you. And again, the clinician is thinking very practically and thinking, how will I be assured that um, we're not going to have any long-term side effects? Four months is not enough. Six months is not enough. We need to see something longer. So this is right. why they bring, they bring the requirement or they suggest to bring the requirement much up to much, um, you know, to 12 months. And, and they want to bring the requirement before the actual C marking rather than later on, because they're really, they're really scared. The other thing that goes on in the minds is because this material, because it comes from pork, as I said, it's xenogenic, it has cells, mm -hmm. it has growth factors. You don't know what's happening to all these. Do, will they provide an inflammatory um, host graft reaction? 
what will happen to the actual patient later on? They need to know, and they feel, I think, reading this, they feel very, very uncertain and anxious, which is why they push back. In terms of the xenogenic material, well, this is not the first time a material of xenogenic origin has been used in humans. We all know that, but they did raise some concerns, which is what is making me feel like maybe all the residual risks were not entirely disclosed in the IFU. Did you, did you have the same takeaway? Yes, and I think they do mention that somewhere. Um, so they obviously um, are concerned about some possible allergic reactions, for example, mm -hmm. the alpha-gal syndrome that they mentioned right. uh, to people who are allergic to meat. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said at some stage, if at least this was included in their IFU, they would have accepted this. Or if at Got least it. there was some supportive evidence from the literature, they could have accepted this. But obviously this had, this had not happened there. And this is why they raised this. Which, which is a requirement in the MDR, right, to communicate all relevant residual risks to the user and the patient. Anyway, Andrew, um, you know, to bring this together, what were your top takeaways from this first opinion that was published on this device? Yeah, so think of lifetime, think of intended purpose. How can you link them together and then link all this with your post-market study? And how can you prove that you cover all the indications or all your claims? Um, Think about the xenogenic material. It's not enough to say that it's sterile, obviously. They needed something more. But right. if you don't have that, at least include this in your IFU. In your IFU, you should, you should be thinking problems with the device, problems with the surgical procedure using the device, problem with the material itself, right? So think almost in a triplet way there. Got and it. obviously, think, bring your clinicians in early and th th make them tell you how they're thinking because this is what you're going to face later on. Great. Andrew, thank you very much for walking through the first opinion. And uh, thank you very much for joining. Thank and you, see you all next time.